Today, and when he asked me to preach, I, I, when you get a chance to preach, you think there's so many things you want to talk about. And um, <clears throat> something that's been on my heart as a is now a, uh, a former pastor. I, uh, my wife and I pastor. I pastored a church in the area uh, for about a little over three years, and uh, God um, used that time to help shape us and, and saw him move some wonderful people up in South Haven. And coming back here um, to, uh, to Longview Point, God has, has uh, helped shape my wife and I uh, in a lot of ways. When, when you think about church planning, you know, it's, it's uh, half of it, and you think about the first time, it's crazy to move to Sioux City, Iowa, 13 hours away, and uh, you're wondering about all the stuff, you know, how are we going to get up there, and we got to, you know, find a place to live, all the stuff that you have to do to, to move halfway across the country, and then on top of that, you're worried about planning a church. So it's a lot of, a lot of details you have to work out, and um, it's, a, it's, it's a challenge. And uh, what God has um, taught my wife and I is, is about the power of prayer. Um, how many of you, um, and this is a question, I know that I know the answer to this. How many of you have seen prayer, uh, a God use prayer in your life to do amazing things? Anyone? Uh, yeah, I know. A lot of people here. Um, prayer is something that is, that is uh, vital to the Christian. I mean, when you look through Scripture, we see uh, Jesus prayed constantly. As a matter of fact, the most famous passage of Scripture is the Lord's Prayer, where he taught the disciples how to pray. Um, he had a pattern of going out into the wilderness alone with the Father, and it said he would pray with the Father uh, continually. Uh, the Apostle Paul uh, tells us that, that we should pray without ceasing, meaning that uh, you have a constant lifestyle of prayer, that prayer is something that you're always pursuing, it's something that you're always about, that you always have the idea, the mindset of prayer constantly before you. Um, we see short prayers, the Apostle Paul and 1 Thessalonians prays, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have ever prayed that Jesus would just return right now and take you back. Amen? Anybody? Amen. I got to have a witness. Amen. Right there. Uh, yeah, I mean, we've all prayed this. Go to the Old Testament. You see Solomon as he prays for the temple and he praises God for it. I mean, it's one or two pages long of just eloquent, beautiful language as he pours his heart out over God. But to my struggle. Um, and I don't think I'm alone in this, are those times in which I pray and it just seems like the prayers just jump off the, 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 the hit, hit the wall and come right back at me. Like I, I don't know if God's even hearing, if God's even listening. I, t- I know by faith that he is, but it's a real struggle. And another struggle that I have, and I think, I think you guys may too, is to understand exactly what God is doing in the midst of prayer. In other words, when you're praying, how does, he, how does he hear and how does he act and how much do we have to pray before he moves? I mean, these are challenges we all have. And uh, one, one thing I want to talk about you know, this evening is um, one key issue, and, and that is the, the forgotten purpose of prayer. There is, uh, in Scripture, we're going to look at the book of uh, 1 Timothy, there is a purpose of prayer that so many Christians don't understand. Um, it's not, I don't think often preached on. I, I think it's something that we kind of overlook. Um, there's reasons for that we'll get into. But we're going to see that the forgotten purpose of prayer is the purpose that you have in praying for the pulpit. This church is blessed with a, with, a, with a great pastor and preacher. You guys know that. Um, but the way is great. 
I'm not just saying there, there are wonderful preachers all over this country, all this world. And, and what, what happens is, you know, we, we think that preachers are gifted to come and teach the Word of God and proclaim truth, and, that, and God just miraculously uses those, those words. We know the Word is not returned void, and in some way He works in people to, to, to make His will happen and to, to shape the hearts and minds of people to glorify Him. But what so happens so often is that we, um, we preachers proclaim the Word, and, 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 and instead of being those people who... who um, who uh, we, we become critics of the word, and we start hearing, and we start judging pastors by the way they enunciate, and how they look, and how they dress, and what, how tall they are, and what their voice sounds like. Uh, it's one of the great problems that we have in the church is we, we we can often be critics of the pastor instead of instead of partners. And what we're seeing tonight is the forgotten purpose of prayer is that we partner with pastors by praying when they preach. Praying for the word of God to go forth. I'll give you an example. The Apostle Paul in the book of Acts. Apostle Paul is going and planting churches all over the world, all the known world at the time. And he would go to churches and he would say, I pray, I pray that you, I want you to pray that there would be an open door for the word of God, he says in the book of Acts. So he tells the church, Here's the deal. I, I'm, I'm going out. I'm a missionary. I'm preaching. I'm, I'm going. I'm, I'm planting churches. I'm, I'm, I'm doing what God's called me to do. But church back home, what I need you to do is I need you to pray, hold the rope in prayer so God will open up the door for the word to go forth. Because what we have to understand is that, is that preaching and going and mission, all these things we love so much, is the idea of, of us uh, playing a role in it in a corporate sense where we pray for God to move is a huge part of ministry. One of the most tragic things I hear is when I go to someone and say, hey, um, how can I pray for you? And they say, oh, oh I, I'm good. I have no problems. <laughs> so what they're saying is, Prayer is only for solving life's problems, right? That prayer is something we do because God is a, God is a, is a Santa Claus in the sky, that when we need something, we go to him, and he, he gives us blessings whenever we, whenever we need something else. But we so often don't see the, the role of ministry that we have in prayer. What we're going to look at today is, in the forgotten purpose of prayer, is to see how prayer is used to advance the Word of God in a powerful way. I'll read this, this evening's text. If, if you would, please, please stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God. We're going to be in the book of 1 Timothy, chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. This will be at the ESV, same, same Bible that, that Pastor Wade uses. Uh, first of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good and is pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. You may be seated. This, um, this letter is one of, the, one of my favorites, one of the disciplines that, that God uh, put in my, my heart a few years ago. And I've done my, I've tried to keep it, and I haven't, I haven't always the best I can, um, is to read a chapter of the pastoral epistles every single day. It's First Timothy, Second Timothy, Titus, whole things about ten chapters, and I just kind of cycle through them, um, just uh, 
one a day. And uh, when I surrendered to preach, um, this is sort of a discipline that I really started taking on because uh, what these are, these are, the, these are the letters. It's 1 Timothy, it's 2 Timothy, and Titus, the Apostle Paul, left as he wrote to two of his, two of his students, two of the people he was mentoring in gospel preaching ministry. And probably the most well-known would be, would be Timothy. And, and this is, we're going to be his first letter tonight. And Timothy was a student of Paul. Timothy was someone who was a, he was a Christian. And, and, and Paul goes on his second missionary journey. He actually uh, picks up Timothy for the ride and decides he's going to disciple him and take him on mission with him. And Timothy was, was um, a Jewish and Gentile. He had, he had blood from, from, from both nations, Jewish and Gentile. And he, um, he walked with the Apostle Paul. He learned from him, it says in 2 Timothy, that he, he learned by watching Paul, by hearing Paul, and by being around them. And he was with Paul for several years. And Paul decided to, to put Timothy in the city of Ephesus, which, is a, which was an important city in the Roman Empire. It was a city that... Um, was, was quite wealthy. It was uh, sort of the capital cultural city of Asia Minor. And what that meant was is that, is that it was Europeans and it was Asians and it was all cultures kind of melded together. So it was a, a, a powerful city that had a lot of people and it had a lot of influence. Um, it was a city that had a ton of idolatry. Uh, to, uh, there's still ruins in modern-day Turkey where Ephesus is where you could you can see ruins left over from the city of Ephesus where Timothy was pastoring. And, he t- and in 1 Timothy, later in the book, from, from where we're going to be, he, he gives instructions on what a man of God, what a pastor should look like. But the main crux of this book, the main crux of this letter, is what the gospel is and the effects the gospel has. In chapter 1, we're going to be, uh, right, before cha- right before we're going to, Chapter 1, which comes right before we'll be preaching tonight, gives two, gives two points. It says that the gospel is to be proclaimed and it bears fruit. And that there's going to be false teachers that come, come along to try to destroy that fruit. First look at uh, chapter 1, verse, uh, verse 5. Look at chapter 1, verse 5. This is Paul attempt. It says, the aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Now, he says this to Timothy. To start off, he says, the purpose of your preaching in Ephesus, Timothy, is love. The purpose of your preaching is love. A love that's been transformed. Your heart's been transformed. Your affections have been transformed. Preaching where people's minds have been transformed, their attention, and their wills have been transformed. He says, the goal of all, the gospel proclamation is the transforming of life where love is carried out, where love is the goal. The book of 1 Corinthians 13 says that love covers all transgressions, right? God so loved the world, see? And the goal of instruction for Timothy is to see love manifested in his church, you know, and and so what, what he's telling him here is that, that when, Timothy, when you preach the gospel to your church at Ephesus, the fruit of it's going to be love. And that's where I want to, uh, in a sense, uh, you know, commend this church in a sense, where, where you know, when, when, when we have a chance, my wife and I, to go plant a church in Sioux City, Iowa, when people find out that we're going to Iowa, they, 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 they think it's Idaho. They say, we're in a map visit. <laughs> 
They think of, oh, I know Iowa. Do you know Bill from Des Moines? I, I don't. <laughs> I don't know Bill from Des Moines. I went to Mississippi City a few times, you know. They, 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 they don't know much about it. It's just it's Iowa, you know. What, what is it? it? But you know what? People here still want to say, you know what? Go for it. Plant a church. The gospel is to go forth in, in the city of Sioux City. 100,000 people with, with only two Baptist churches. Going forward, you know, uh, we, we see that we see where people here, uh, we, we do mission trips all over the world, places we can't even pronounce. Uh, words flash across the screen, different people groups. I can't even pronounce. And I went to seminary, I got a master's degree, and can't even pronounce these, these people groups half the time. Places on a map we couldn't spot, but people have a passion and what? A love to go to people and share what? The gospel of Jesus Christ, see? Brother Stephan off South Dakota. East Point, you know, all, all the things that we see manifested here is love, see. The point, the goal is love. The goal is love to be shown to one another and goal to be, love to be shown to the, to, to the lost and dying world. That's, that's, the, that's the end game of the gospel is love. That's, that's what he tells Timothy. But then there's, there's a problem. Here's, here's, the, here's the problem. Look on down to, uh, to verse 6. It says, uh, verse 6, it says, the aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and sincere faith. Verse 6, certain persons, by swerving from these, have wandered away into vain discussion, desiring to be leaders of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. And now skip on down with me to, uh, to verse 20. Skip on down to verse 20. And he describes who they are here. It says this, Among whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan, they may learn not to blaspheme. So what's he saying? He's saying, among the church there at Ephesus, Timothy, you're going to have people who, who have a love for God, have a love for mission, have a love for His glory, have a love for the Son, have a love for one another, have a love for their neighbor, praise God. That's the gospel going forth. But among it are going to be people who hate it. Who are not going to want to see it go forth. Who are going to do what they can to hinder God's work. And he calls them by name. Two of them, Alexander and Hermenius, and says, and their faith has been shipwrecked. What that means is they, they had the appearance of being a believer. What happened was they, 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 they shipwrecked. They, 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 they gave up their faith and they crashed and their lifestyle has been laid out. So Paul tells Timothy, your job is to set that straight. <laughs> your job, Timothy, is to go and to make sure that those people who are trying to hijack those who want to share the love of God to people don't get thwarted, don't get frustrated, and don't get hurt from false teaching and from Satan. That was his job. But the reality is no one person can do that. I don't care how great the preacher is. I don't care how great the pastor is. The reality is protecting the flock is as difficult a job as could possibly be done by a pastor. So difficult. 
So God has a remedy for that. God, 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 has, God has help for that for Timothy. And look, look at chapter 2. And this is the text we're going to start on. Chapter 2, verse 1. How is God going to help Timothy protect the gospel and protect those people who want to love others in the gospel? It says this, chapter 2, verse 1. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. Wow. The first thing he says is, you are going to be, a, be praying plentifully. He's writing this for Timothy to tell the church. He says, I urge, in the Greek it means urge strongly, I ask you that supplications and prayers, intercession and thanksgivings, all four of those words had different meanings. Okay, supplications means you're asking God, and then you come in and you ask general prayers, and then you have intercessions, and then you go between man and God, and then thanksgiving means those are praises to God. But when you read the Bible and you take four words that have like that, that have similar meanings, you stack them together like that. The point is not to, to splice them all apart and say, you know, you say this, I want to make sure I intercede some or I, or I, uh, I uh, ask supplication some or ask certain types of prayers. What, what he's saying is you take these prayers and compound them and you pray and you go to war for your pastor and for the gospel going forth. Here's the deal. In the case for Timothy, right? Timothy is in a church at Ephesus where he, um, he's having to, to correct false teaching that's going against the gospel. And people are infiltrating it. But what we know is that the war is always a spiritual war. It's always spiritual. It's not a war that you, that you fight um, on, uh, on your own. And so what he's telling the church is, church, you have to be the one who comes alongside and goes to war in prayer for the gospel to go forth. I was in a, I was in another city, another state. This is, this is a while back. And I, I, it was a Sunday afternoon. It was church crowd. And I was... a. I was, I was in a restaurant, and, and somebody was next to me. Was was um, they, you know, they were having lunch, and they were discussing church, and you know they like the music. They're they're going through and, and and explaining what they like and don't like about the service. And what somebody says this, it wasn't this area. Don't you know it was out out of state. And they say, um, you know that preacher, he preaches that Bible hard, and he always talks about Jesus, but. His voice is too high. His voice is too high. Somebody else said, "Oh yeah, you know, if he, if he had a deeper voice, he uh, he would be a he'd be a lot better preacher. We we would take home more." Somebody else, somebody else said, "Well, that's not really the problem. The real problem is, you know, he 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 he's up there and he and he, and he has that that suit on." You know, if, if, he, if he wore clothes maybe that we, we like better, we, we, we like him better. And so this was the discussion going on. And these people, it's four people, and they were, they were saying the preacher does a great job of proclaiming the text, the word of God. Amen, right? Amen. Amen, right? It's the preacher's job. But his voice is too high. 
His clothes weren't right. He was probably too tall. He was probably too fat. I don't know. That is evil. But when you go at conversations with so many people after so many services and so many churches, that will be the topic of conversation is, is what, they, what, the, what the topic of, uh, you know, how, how the preacher affected them or how, how they can apply it to their life in, in a different way they didn't hear the week before to where they compare sermon after sermon after sermon to where they become a consumer of the word of God. But they never understand, what, what, what is my role in advancing the word of God? It says right here that our job is to pray prayers that the word of God will go forth. And look, here's the fruit. The next verse, look what it says. It says, verse 2, for kings and all who are in high positions, watch this, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life godly and dignified in every way. He says, you pray for leadership. You pray for those in high position. You pray for those who are in power. Why? So you have a dignified and godly life opposite of what those people whose lives are shipwrecked. It says, your prayers are focused so, so people's lives will glorify God. The reality is, guys, that, that ministry and the proclamation of the gospel, yes, it is the pastor's job. Yes, it is the preacher's job. Yes, he has been set apart to proclaim the truth. But the people of the congregation must take it upon themselves to say, we will pray not only for the pastor, but for the word to not return void as, as it is promised in the book of Isaiah. When Paul writes to this church in the book of Ephesians, he says to them, my prayer for you is that you will open up, that God will open up what? The eyes of your heart so you see the glory of God. The prayer was focused to the point where he says, my prayer is that you will see the greatness of who God is. In verse 2, it says, you pray for kings and all who are in high positions, we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. I find this so fascinating. <clears throat> Is it hard for you to pray for leadership, whether it be uh, president, mayor, governor, your boss? Is that hard? It's hard for me. It, it just is because uh, I can be very critical. Um, we, I think we all can. He says, when you go, you pray for those people who, uh, th- those who have leadership, those who are kings, those who have power, those who are in charge. And, and, what, and what's so interesting about it is in the city of Ephesus, is under the Roman Empire, Nero is the one who's in charge. And Nero was probably the most evil empire that Rome ever knew. Most ro- evil emperor Rome ever knew. It's not just legend, it's in historical text. Nero was somebody who, he loved bizarre entertainment. Just a strange guy. He would like to go, he'd go to Christians, and he, and he well, first he'd have them executed, usually by entertaining them in, in, in the Colosseum as they fight lions and fight other gladiators. And after they're executed, he would take their bodies and use them as lamps in his garden to show everyone this is what he thinks about Christianity. 
One of his goals of his life was to destroy Christianity from the face of the earth. It says in a lot of his documents. An evil, wicked man. And Paul says to Timothy, instruct your church to pray for him. To pray supplications for him. To pray prayers deeply for him. Why? So the gospel will go forth. So you will live a quiet and godly, dignified life. So, so we would see the gospel advance. Listen, we... Have, um, we look at our leadership in our country and we have many questions, as do I. Many questions. And, and, and worries and, and even complaints, and I understand and we all know. But for every time that we complain, every time that we, we, we worry and we make statements, we need to understand that we need to go before God, that God will work in our leadership's heart so the gospel could go forth. That's the command that Paul gives to Timothy. In verse 3, he says, This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. One of the great passages of Scripture where it talks about the, the mission of God. We talk about the mission of God. The mission of God is not, is not merely um, just we pray to see stuff happen um, or we pray just, to, just, to, um, just because we're expected to. It says he desires all people to come to knowledge of the truth of the gospel, including those people who are in authority, including those people who are in power, including those people that we disagree with. And so often what we, what we, what we do when we pray is we pray for those people that we like, we pray for those people that we, uh, we agree with, we pray for those people that, that we maybe we, uh, we, uh, we have no issues with. But what we should be praying is that God would work in such a way where their hearts will be transformed by the gospel. That should be our prayers. Because look, look with me here. Let's go back. Let's go to verse. Uh, look at verse verse five here. I think it's up, up, up top, but I'll give it to you. Verse five. It says, "For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, and the man Christ Jesus." What he's saying is this. He says that when we, when we pray, we pray for the gospel to go forth and knowing that Jesus Christ is the mediator, he's the only one that's between man and God. And here's what's fascinating about that. In this church, in the church of Ephesus, in the church of Ephesus, here's you got to understand, is in the church of Ephesus, the false teachers that infiltrated that church, their greatest false teaching was that Jesus Christ is not enough to save. They would come in and say, okay, it's good to be a Christian, but you also have to keep Jewish laws. That was, how, that's, that was what they did. They would infiltrate the church, and they would, and they would put legalism of Judaism upon Christians, because Ephesus was part Christian, Gentile, and part Jewish. So what Paul is telling them is, what you have to remember is that when we pray, you have to understand that there is one God and one mediator, and it is Jesus Christ. He's the one who has saved both Jew and Gentile if they're in Christ. And here's why that matters. Because we, they lived in a time that thought that, okay, we're Christian, but there are Jewish Christians, and then there are, are Gentile Christians, and there's a dividing line. There's, 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 there's those people, we, we, we follow the law, if, we're, if, we're, if we follow the law to stay saved, even though the gospel is what we say does save us. 
That was what the heresy was. And so he's telling them, look, what you need to remember is that, when, is that Christ is the single and only mediator for the gospel. And that was the message that he gave him. So here's the main problem with prayer for most Christians, is that when they hear the word of God proclaimed, that, that they look at the pastors and they say, okay, the pastor's job is to preach the gospel, and I want the gospel to go forth. I want people to be saved. I ask you a question this. I ask you a question. How many of you get excited when you hear the stories about the mischiefs that go on? Raise your hand. The church plants we do, right? All, this, all the stuff we do. We all get excited about it. One thing we must remember, guys, one thing that we have to remember is that that is always a corporate involvement. Here's what I mean. Is, yes, we may have someone go on a mission field over and, and share the gospel with somebody. We may have someone go over and, 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 and teach or go over and, and plant a church or go over and do uh, advance the gospel uh, to the glory of God. But more times than not, when God moves, it's somebody back home who's holding the rope in prayer, fasting, and giving. That's how it works. That, that, that's just how it works. When Pastor Wade or, or anyone gets in the pulpit and preaches the gospel to people, and he, and he, he says, come to Jesus, and, 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 and says, hey, let's give the lot of you 135000 or whatever the number is. Look at these trips, and, and, and let, let's pray that let's give and go. What you have to understand is that there's no magic formula in, in, in someone. There's no magic formula in someone just accepting Christ. It's not that people are going are, are, are special or they're, they're more uniquely called. They're just regular people who have passion for God, who needs the Holy Spirit to work. Period. Period. When you hear the when 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 you hear the word of God proclaimed, understand this is that it's what opens up the eyes of your heart. It's what it's what penetrates your heart. But the goal of the church, the mission of the church, the forgotten problem of prayer in the church, is that we don't pray for that word to go forth. I had someone call me today and said, How can I uh, how can I help you um, your church plan? I gave a list, you know, we need, you know, you know you're planning a church, you need all kinds of stuff. You need, um, you need money, you need people, you need, you need stuff, you need um, all kinds of things. And I said, um, pray for us. Pray for us. So that's the most important thing you can do is pray for us. Go to God for us. Go to God because he's the mediator who will meet all our needs. The guy said, is that all? I said, yeah, that's all. <laughs> that's all. Yeah, that's all. As long as you promise to do it, that's all. That's all. Um, and it's just, uh, I'm going to lose my voice here. Uh, just bear with me a little bit. Um, well, on the weather, so I apologize. Um, I've, uh, in, my, in my life in ministry, I've, I've pastored um, for a few years, and 
Um, worked at Safe Haven. You guys have heard of that. A lot of you have. I, I was there for, for three years or 30. It seems like the same sometimes. Um, I, uh, I learned, I've learned a lot. Uh, God's taught a lot. I mean, you try to learn things, right? Um, one thing that, that I have learned, this is from my heart here, um, I've learned this, and this is just past, you know, seen this to people, is that we, uh, most Christians, uh, do not understand exactly how important their role is when they pray. And I say this not in a, in a loud, I'm not up here obnoxiously yelling at you like a lot of preachers do. I'm not doing that because I'm the same way. <laughs> um, I'm the same way, but I can tell you this. Uh, um, the number of times in my own life, um, I could probably ask a lot of you guys here the same thing. A lot of times in my own life, when I, God has done something in my life um, that's of God, I will often have someone come back to me and say, hey, I was praying for you. Has God answered it? I say, uh, yes. I, let, me, let me tell you a story. This, this will help you out. Um, this is probably a couple of years ago, I guess. Um, my wife and I owed money on our taxes. Have you ever uh, involved how preachers and taxes go? They don't go well. <laughs> uh, it's a strange, a strange deal. And we owed eleven hundred dollars our taxes. Well, you know, that's not that's too much. You know, might as well have two zeros. Might as well have been, you know, might as well have been one hundred ten thousand, whatever. You know, it's a lot of money. And um, because I fear, you guys have a lot of fear in your life, doubt? Oh, good, I'm not alone. That's good, amen. Um, because that's my issue. I, I didn't know where God was going to provide. I had no idea. And pa- the church I was pastoring at, I would preached on faith and you know, having faith in God and, and being, uh, being strong for the gospel and all this other stuff. And I'm going home and where do I get $1,000 from? <laughs> it's like a hypocrite, you know. My wife and I just we just prayed. We just we poured our heart out. Next day, um, I'm coming back from work. Uh, another job I had. Wife calls me and says, "Your car's been hit." I said, "So what?" He says, "Yeah, it's been hit. A guy across the street backed into your car." I said, "Oh, that's great. I just prayed for God to provide. So now I got to find a way to provide for a car too. That's <laughs> no problem, right?" <laughs> Talk to the guy. The guy was nice, and uh, if you uh, I have my red cards, actually I'm not running right now. I gotta get it fixed. So interesting. Uh, when you see it, there's a big dent on the side because he hit he hit the car and it didn't cause any damage. And so uh, I had it appraised, and and it was the exact dollar to the very penny of what I owe with uh, the IRS. <laughs> and and it was just so funny. Is is uh, is our car got hit, which was just. On top of that, I'm thinking, God, really, I really need this. That check got in the mail, the very penny of what we owe. And uh, I remember just thinking, I said, God, I, I know you had it the whole time. You know, I'm sorry about that. But no, I really didn't. I had a lot of lack of faith and a lot of doubt in that. And he led back to this text. That's why I chose to preach it tonight. Um, it's hard to express them. This text is hard to express sometimes. Is that... What we don't understand sometimes is that our role in the gospel is to call upon the mediator of Christians to the God of the universe. 
Like, when you're praying, a lot of us, when we pray, we think that we're just calling upon up in the sky and God's going to hear it. That is not what prayer is. Prayer is saying, verse, I'll read verse 6 to you here. It says, um, verse 5, it says, For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Our prayer is not just something where we, we pray and he just hears, it, it, just, it, just, it just goes up in the sky and God, because he's powerful, hears it. No, it is us calling upon the one who died for us and is the go-between between God and man for our salvation. That is our Lord Jesus. And when we go to him, he hears us. He loves us so much, he died for us. So when we go to him and, and we say, God, please, I pray the gospel goes forth. I pray that when, 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 when Pastor Wade preaches or, or Brother Richard preaches or Brother Trey up and the students or, or, when, or when people go out on a mission trip, they take the gospel. My prayer is that as the mediator between me and your father, who I know desires all men to come to the knowledge of the truth, I ask you, open up the eyes of the heart of lost people so they will see the glorious gospel of who Jesus Christ is. That's prayer. That's going to war for somebody. That's recognizing your role as not being a a passive person who sits and soaks. Oh, God, free us of that. Free us of that. That's, That's my prayer right now. Free us of that. We are not, uh, we should not be people who just sit and soak and just take in more information and more information and, and expect and just say, God, God, change me. Yes, pray, God, change me. The prayer you should have is, God, change me. But you know what? Change the whole world. Change my neighbor. Change the people of my church to know who you are more greatly so they will look like Lord Jesus. That's how we're active in the gospel ministry. Preaching is, is, is not, not just a speech. Pre- preaching is not just going up and just, and just talking and just, and just putting beautiful words together. Our pastor can do that. But that's all it is. Let's listen. Let's stay home watching NFL football. Right? If preaching is just a guy standing up and just telling stories out of a book, let's just stay, let's just stay home and watch football. But it's not. Preaching is somebody proclaiming the truth to God's people to invigorate, energize, and, and work in them in such a way where they want to proclaim the excellency of Jesus Christ. And that does not happen by accident. That does not happen by um, chance. That happens by the, div- the divine providence of an almighty God. And our role in that is to go to that God, the mediator of the universe, and beg and plead and say, God, I know that that I have a role in this. I don't understand it. I don't understand it either. But I know what the Word of God says. The Word of God says that, that I am to pray supplications and prayers and praises of thanksgiving and and beg and plead for for people to know you because I'm praying that the word will go forth. To the glory of God. Prayer is the most powerful thing a person has. That is the most powerful thing you could do. 
I, listen, I believe that with every part of me. Prayer is the most important ministry a human being has on earth. You know what? Because it's not about you at that point. You're taking the impossible thing, and that is saving someone. Open up the people's eyes to, to see who God is. It is, it, it, is, it is going to God for something you cannot possibly do. And saying, God, I'm helpless, but you are holy. I am weak, but you are wonderful. I am so low, but you are so lovely. I am broken, but you are beautiful. And you are magnificent. And I know that you desire for all people to be saved. If someone asks you this question, will you pray for me? Please don't say, sure. Say, amen. Amen. Because that's the ministry. That's how God goes for us.